Welcome everyone to another episode of Couch Potato Diary coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Clearwater Cleaning Solutions are your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary. They have a fantastic team who are ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. The music for the show provided by Wasted talent um yeah thank you guys for tuning in today again more delays i apologize it's the summer it's it was stampede uh so a lot going on but we are back here today um so covering a few things on the show obviously a lot has happened in flames land since the last time we talked a lot has happened in the nhl and a really entertaining night in major league baseball could have been maybe a little bit better we will get into all of that as the show goes on today so we begin with um, the National Hockey League, and specifically the National Hockey League team that plays in the city that I broadcast from, the Calgary Flames, which is what I actually meant to say, but we're just going to roll with it, even though this is an edited format, and I definitely could have taken that out. Um, we'll start with Johnny Gaudreau. First off, the tweet that I sent out uh, about how far away Columbus was from his hometown, I... I know he's not driving that far. I know his family members aren't driving that far. It was A, to show how far away the two places were. B, entirely based on humor. So um, the the people acting uh, like I was uh, insinuating that his family is all hauling up in a RAV4 and just heading out. Uh, I know. I know he's not driving. I know no one in his family are driving to watch any of his games. It was more a, a visual representation of how not exactly close he was to his hometown. Um, also, people acting like, I mean, it's only going to be an hour and a half flight now. It was only four fucking hours before. Like, it, it, it's not like it was this, I, I get, you have to go through another layer of security to get into another country and... At that particular moment, there was a few things that would prevent some people from getting into that country, and I am certainly not reporting anything, but I do wonder if that played into any type of a situation, just saying, but that's neither here nor there. The, the thought that, oh my god, his family had to fly four hours to watch him play in Calgary, the gall, was fucking hilarious all weekend, like, or all week, like, just... I mean, can you believe? I mean, if your family lived a four-hour flight away, wouldn't you just want to die? Like, get the fuck on with it. But, um, th there's obviously a number of different reactions to this one. I don't blame him for wanting to be closer to family. Um, you can pick where you are, um, and you can obviously pick through that argument, and it's hilarious when you do, but he literally accomplished that. He, he is literally the hockey games that he will be playing for the majority of his time, at least the home games that he will be playing as a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and certainly more of the road games he'll be playing as a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets, will literally be closer to his hometown and his family than where he was before, and it'll be in a different area, it'll be in the same country, which probably has his advantages as well. So, he, he was a free agent, which means he was free to agent himself off anywhere that he wanted to, and he decided on the Columbus by God Blue Jackets. On the other hand, I think you can understand why Flames fans would be upset, and this is one of those times where I said this uh, at my last job a lot, and I, I say it here a lot, 
Two things can be true. You can be happy that Johnny Gaudreau looks so gosh darn happy when he signs with the Columbus Blue Jackets, happy that he is closer to friends, happy that he is closer to family, and also be just a smidge pissed off if you're a fan of the Calgary Flames and just be a little bit upset. Flames fans were worried that Gaudreau was going to leave for more money, to be close to home, or to be a contender. And to quote Sam Mitchell, how he accomplished all of those, zero, zero, zero. He, none of those things actually came out to be true. He is closer to home. It was substantially less money. And I don't believe he is any closer to a Stanley Cup than he was when he was with the Calgary Flames. It, none of that adds up. And so from a Flames point of view, to be blindsided like this, when you're expecting, okay, it's going to be Philly. It's going to be the Devils. We can understand it. It's the who now and the what, what's? Huh? You can understand how there's a bit of a, oh, well, fuck you, I guess then. Now, if I, I will also say this, if you are a Flames fan or just a hockey fan in general, and you're sending them those messages on social media or however you may get in contact with them, then you're just a bad person and don't do that because it's stupid. And th that like it, you're never supposed to call anyone stupid. It's just their actions that are stupid, but you're getting very close to just being stupid. Like who gives a, f it's, it's sports, man. I, I get, like I get, we have this emotional attachment to these players and I think you can understand that. Like, he, he has been a big part of the Calgary sports scene. He has been the biggest part of the Calgary sports scene the entire time he has been here. Even before he was here, he was one of the more talked about athletes that we had in the city talking about what kind of contract was he going to get? Was he going to want to stay here? Blah, 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 blah. And then he does and he signs and it's as spectacular as you could have wanted it to be. And then it was more spectacular than you wanted it to be. And then it was probably a little bit less and then it was more again. And then it was really disappointing. And then he was gone. But the, the point being, you can be as attached to these guys as you want. You still don't have any right whatsoever to send mean messages or to send any kind of threatening messages or anything like that to anyone on social media. Get over yourself. But on the other hand, you can understand why people are at least a little emotionally invested in this. That's the whole point. And I just, th there's a lot of uh, legislating fandom that goes on online. And look, I'm, I'm sure I'm guilty of it too. But there, there's a lot of, hey, like things go bad for the flames. Hey, can't be bad. Can't be mad. Like this is like it, it, you, you, you're gonna shit talk the, these boys. These boys need our support right now. They need us behind them. They need us to be part of the team so we can go get them. And then when they leave, we're supposed to be, hey, fuck you. You're supposed to be happy for that person. How dare you? It just, it all seems really weird to me that this whole situation. But yes, again, the main point of this: two things can be true. You can be very happy for Johnny Gaudreau. You can be extremely happy that he is close to family. He seems legitimately like a thrilled human being right now. Um, but you can also be a little bit upset that he is no longer a part of your life, even though he said he might be for a while. So you can, you, you can be happy for Johnny Gaudreau, but understand why Flames fans are upset. Like, it's just, it's, it's so, it, it the reactions on both sides have been, and it, it, as with everything, it's the extremes on both sides, right? But it's like, oh, I'm so upset Johnny Gaudreau is leaving. I can't believe he would leave the Flames for the Columbus Blue Jackets. What do you mean you can't believe it? What, you think he should just be stuck with the same team in a different country? Four, four hours away from where he grew up on, by way of plane? You capitalist fuck. You want to be, you want to be supporting these owners who just want to keep these people chained and shackled for your entertainment? How dare you? And then on the other side, it's like, wait a minute, you, you're a free agent? And you decided to go somewhere else that's closer to where you grew up? You 
absolute piece of shit. It just, both sides of it are just so crazy. The, the whole thing needs to chill down, chill out just a, just a smidge. But also, you can see where, before you get to the extremes, you can see where both sides are coming from. But from a Flames organization standpoint, which is probably what you come here more for than to legislate uh, fan arguments, um, from a Flames standpoint, this has to be a gigantic kick in the stomach because you did everything, right? Like, you... You stuck, he, you kept him, I don't want to say stuck him, you kept him with the guy who he was the most effective with for a long time, even though it probably would have made more sense to break the two of you up, and then you do make a few adjustments and you just load up one line to try to get that guy going. Everything in this city, everything with this team, there was a smidge of, well, maybe this will help get Johnny going in the playoffs, right? Like, everything was based around this guy, and then you offer him substantially more than it seemed they were comfortable offering him, and he still leaves for Columbus. And with all due respect to Columbus, you know, I, I took the shot at them in the last episode, which turned out hilarious, by the way. Um, But, like, it, I, I said on the last episode, every place has fun shit, man. Like, every place has bars, every place has clubs, every place has malls, every place has restaurants. Th there are some that have more than others, and there are some that have some that are more fun than others. But every place has fun shit to do. You can have fun in, I, I'm gonna name a place now, I'm just gonna, but like, I grew up in Assiniboia, Saskatchewan. Had a blast. Go back there, have a blast. Get bored after a week, but I can have fun in that place. You can have fun in Columbus, but when you're the Flames, you're worried about, okay, it's like I said before, it's either more money, hometown, contender. Eh, eh, eh. None of those. So he legitimately just wanted to not be on your team. And now it looks like the same fucking thing is about to happen with another dude that has to be like... I, I know I can have some self-confidence issues, but holy hell, that has to really make you self-conscious about, like, why even trade all your first-round draft picks, because none of them are going to want to stay any longer, and just hope you can get a bunch of good old cowboys who want to stick around and yeehaw up at the Calgary Stampede. Like, that, I'm not saying that's the actual reality of it, I'm just saying, like, it has to really be a kick in the teeth right now to be a Calgary Flames, the, the Calgary Flames general manager and anyone with the organization. Like this is a, this has to be a gigantic, gigantic ego hit to, to see this. And this kind of spins now into the, the Matthew Kachuk conversation. The Flames going to arbitration with Matthew Kachuk because they do that in the second window. Um, it changes things a, a little bit on how um, arbitrations can go and things like that. But the main thing is um, they... The, and they said this. We don't often see teams admit this kind of stuff. They say, yeah, we did this. And then you'll have the insiders kind of swoop in like, oh, well, they actually did this because of this thing. This time the team was like, yeah, we did this because we didn't want him to get offer sheeted. It, 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 I mean, it's not a good thing, right? Like it, it doesn't, this isn't the thing that you do when things are going well. It's like, man, these negotiations are really going awesome. But you know what would be great? Arbitration. That That's not, That that's not, it's just not. Um, it's, it's not a good thing. It's a really, really, really tense time, I think, for this Flames team now. And I think the logical thing to do with this team now is a teardown. Uh, and there's a couple of things for it. But just first, the mentality of it. You think back, like post-Jerome, the, the, this team needed to kind of bottom out to try to get back to the top. Not something they had done for a very long time and not something they stuck with for a very long time. But you look at it now, they kind of, like you don't hit the, the jackpot superstar Connor McDavid, Jack Eichel thing. But you look at it, 
Like, you get Sean Monahan, who was the number one center on your team, rightly or wrongly, but was the number one center on your team for, Jesus, close to a decade. You get guy who everyone is calling the next Doug Gilmore in Sam Bennett. You strike gold with a fourth-round pick in Johnny Gaudreau. You make a bunch of big moves that lead you to one of the best defensemen in the league in Dougie Hamilton. Ah, we don't really like him here. Let's trade him out. Now we got Noah Hannafin, who is, I mean, not one of the best defensemen in the league, but turned into a very, very good number one defenseman. And also Elias Lindholm, who we unlocked some kind of weird shot thing with him, and now he's a number one center. The Flames kind of did this, like, the that's... That's how the rebuild is supposed to go. You bought him out, you get a few good players. You get Monaghan, you get uh, Bennett, Gaudreau happens in there as well. And then you get um, another guy who's supposed to now be able to play that playoff type of hockey in Matthew Kachuk. And now you have this core that is supposed to take you to the next level. And just for whatever reason, every time it just hit that ceiling and you couldn't really get past it. And now it's, all crumbling down around you, right? Like the, the 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 found money in the fourth round pick of Johnny Gaudreau is gone. Sean Monahan, the sixth overall pick, can't stay healthy. The highest draft pick in Flames history, who, by the way, criticize that pick all you want. That was a gosh darn lock that it was going to be Sam Bennett. There wasn't a soul on the planet who was saying that pick was going to be anyone else. The second the Oilers said Leon, you knew that the Flames were going to be taking Sam Bennett. So let's not um, revisionist history, this sort of, a, uh, this thing. That's, that was never going to be anyone other than Sam Bennett. And anyone who is telling that to you is a goddamn liar. But Sam Bennett was supposed to be the next Doug Gilmore and it just didn't work. And now Matthew Kachuk, the the next in gritty, tough American players who are going to help lead the Flames to the promised line. Now he might be gone. And it's just, you're, you're looking around and it's like, this was supposed to this was supposed to work. This was at least supposed to be better than this. And now we have to start over again. So you can understand from a flame standpoint where it's like, God damn, like what more were we supposed to do? Maybe be worse for a little bit longer, but I just, this is how it's kind of supposed to go. And this is one of the, not that the flames were in an eternal rebuild. Uh, they might've been better to stay in one a couple of years longer, but you're supposed to bottom out, get high picks and then be good again. The flames, had some pretty high picks. You know, Valimaki is a relatively high pick. You're not getting the, the best player in franchise history yet. I believe he was eighth overall. I could have that wrong. I'm not going to look it up. But um, sixth overall and fourth overall, those are supposed to be significant building pieces for you. And now it's all gone. Or it could be all gone anyway. And it looks like it's going to be all gone. And maybe it should be all gone because it does kind of feel like this is now a team that needs to start over. The issue I think the Flames run into with the potential of starting over is I don't think the coach is here for that. You know, he didn't, we, I've said this a bunch of times before he didn't come into this, in, into the Calgary flames organization at his introductory press conference from his farm on zoom saying, man, I really, really hope I get to coach Connor Bedard. That's never been in the plans for, for Daryl Sutter. He came here to help win a Stanley cup. And at the time you thought that this was a talented hockey team that could get you to that point. And now you're kind of starting over again. Now you are starting over with Daryl's vision and we have seen 
he can be very successful when that vision is used as a coach. But we have also seen it can be catastrophic and set franchises back when that vision is put to use as a general manager. And I think this is a very tense time. And it also comes to the the, the conversation around Brad Treliving as well and people calling for, um, for Brad Treliving's job because there has been a bit of an exodus over the last little bit, right? Like you look at the core from this team a few years ago. Brody's gone, Geo is gone, um, Hamannick's gone. Um, I mean, Neil, um, um, who else? I know Gaudreau is gone and maybe you, you lose Matthew Kachuk and it's like, okay, yeah, that's, that's a lot. And you didn't get a whole lot back. But when you break down like each of those individual things, you let Brody leave so you can bring in Tanev. Giordano, you were never going to trade your captain in the middle of the season. You weren't going to get a lot for him anyway. Seattle had to eat a whack load of his deal just so they could get anything um, out of him from Toronto. Um, Hamannick, the Flames, got the last bit of usefulness out of him. Did they overpay to get him? Of course they did. Um, like, you you can go on down the line and explain it all off. If you were to trade Johnny Gaudreau a couple of years ago, when, quite frankly, few of us were calling for it, then maybe you avoid this whole situation. But you can also understand the draw of not a guy who obviously had high potential. You look at it at this season. They weren't going to trade him in season this year. You're out of your gosh darn mind, there was no chance they were going to do that. This team was locked into second place by the All-Star break. There was no way that that was happening. Could you have conceivably done it going into last season, coming off of a year where you missed the playoffs? It was kind of ugly how you missed the playoffs. And it's clear like there wasn't really a meshing with uh, Gaudreau and Daryl at the time. That probably would have been the time to do it. But Every time people wanted to trade Johnny Gaudreau, it was coming off of either a disastrous playoff or a disastrous regular season. His value is not at his highest. And then the second he does anything good, everyone thinks the moon of the dude, which is another explanation for why they didn't trade him and why I don't necessarily believe everything going on with the Flames is all on Brad for living. You think an organization that could have not one person in their building for an entire season during a pandemic wants to trade away their most marketable player? No. No, there was no way going into last season they were going to trade Johnny Gaudreau um, and then be like, hey, but by the way, come on back. Don't you miss the Calgary Flames? I mean, look, we got uh, uh, Jordan Cairo here. You know, like you just, you weren't going to do that. That wasn't going to happen. But it does suck to lose him for free. But there was no point where at least it wasn't 100% obvious that they should trade him. Some people will say it was. I would quite frankly fall into the category where I think they should have traded him a while ago. But I can understand why they didn't. I think at this point, you now need to move Matthew Kachuk and you kind of, you kind of need to, to start over. Um, that this is just, it's just not working. Um, and it's, it's not going to work. And I, I think unless Matthew Kachuk wants to stay and wants to sign the, the max contract that he can sign with the Flames, it looks like you're going to have to start over. And I just, I really wonder what that looks like with Daryl Sutter as the head coach. So it's going to be very, 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 very interesting here in Calgary Flamesland. A couple other things that just kind of caught my eye from the first few days of NHL free agency as things have really died down here over the last little bit. Just go in no particular order. Um, I know most people will go from the Flames to the New Jersey Devils. Um, Andre Palat, I like this for the Devils a lot. Good veteran player, obviously has a ton of Stanley Cup experience, can help take this team to another level. I think Palat's really good. Um, he was obviously riding sidecar with very good players throughout his time, but I think you have to be a good player to benefit from good players. 
see Cassian, comma, Zach. Um, and I, I think that Palat is going to, now that he is kind of on his own, not that Tampa Bay was holding him back in any way, shape, or form, but I do think he was playing a role there. And now that he's playing a bit more of a starring role, I, I'll be interested to see what he does. But I like this for the Devils. I think New Jersey has to be a, another team that is just like, what the fuck, Columbus? Because, like, it's his home state, you know? And I get, like, he grew up closer to Philadelphia than he did to to actually where the, the Devils played. But still, the the state name on that driver's license was New Jersey and you had the money and you had the offer for him and he still went to Columbus, which again, fine city. But if you're the devils, you got to be like, yo, dude, what we're talking, people are making jokes about, oh, it's only an hour and a half flight. It's like you can jump and get to our, our place if you want to. Like it, what? So from a devil's perspective, you have to feel a little bit spurned by that. But I do like the, the Palat signing. I love what the Hurricanes did. First of all, you get likable again by getting rid of Tony D'Angelo. Not entirely um, forgivable that you brought him in on your hockey team in the first place, but you get a whole lot more likable when you let that garbage go out the door. And then adding Pacioretty and Burns, like superstar caliber players. Burns, uh, both of them, not what they used to be. You know, like you, you, you are not getting them at the peak of their powers, but you also don't. You, you don't need them at the peak of their powers because you still got a pretty good hockey team, but you get them for essentially nothing uh, aside from cap hits. But I mean, they have the cap space to do it. This is phenomenal work by Carolina. And also adding um, Kasha, like not, we're not, they're not going to be carrying around the Stanley Cup and be like, man, that Kasha signing. But I, he, he's just, he's that type of depth player that I really think you can win with. And I think that's a really smart pickup by, uh, by Carolina. I think that the Red Wings are adding really, really well. I like the guys who they added at four. Like I lost a lot of respect for Perron during that series with the, the Avalanche and just how he lost his mind for a little bit, um, going up against Nazem Kadri. So I got some questions about my guy, but Kubalik, I think, is a little bit underrated because I don't think a lot of people watched a ton of the Blackhawks. And I think he is someone who can finish, man. I, like, he is a goal scorer. And Cop, I, I think, did pretty well with the Rangers. I like him a lot. And I think he is the type, once again, I think he's the type of player that you win with. with. And then getting Huso in goal, love that. I, I really like this for the Red Wings. The thing that I like is you look at the East last year, the eight teams that made it into the playoffs, pretty good teams. Uh, no denying that. Like, I, I do not think a bad team made the playoffs out of the East this year, but they weren't pushed by anybody. The Who would have been the the eighth seed? Um, I guess that would have been Washington. They made the playoffs by like 20 points. And now you look at the teams below, and this is something we've talked about on this show a lot. We like it when there are fewer bad teams. I like that Columbus is going out and getting better. I like that the Red Wings are going out and getting better. The Ottawa Senators have obviously had a tremendous offseason. I think some talks about their forward group being better than the least forward group is kind of laughable, but they're building it. Like, they are taking a great step. Um, and that's another discussion for another day where it can't just be good, right? It has to, like, oh, wow, this is really good. Good for the Senators. Yeah, I agree. They might be better than the Leafs. Eh. And they might end up being better than the Leafs because of the goaltending situation we'll get to in a second. But that forward group, like, I mean, come on, Matt, like, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and Nylander is still... Still really good. Um, but good for the Ottawa Senators. Like it just those conversations are always like, oh man, this is awesome. Like you win a scratch and win ticket, like, oh my god, guys, I, I just won on the scratch room ticket. Oh dude, you won a million dollars? Well, no, it was only it was a hundred thousand dollars, but now I kind of feel not as good about it. Like it, it just had to escalate it all the way. It can never just be, oh wow, this is a really good thing. It's like, could it be the best thing? Well, no, but it's still sweet. Anyway, 
weird tangent. I like that these teams in the East are getting better and there's going to be a bit more of actual competition in the Eastern Conference this season. And I like that greatly. Um, out West, Edmonton, I think mm, they're going to be very scary going into next year. They keep Evander Kane, who tends to wear out his welcome, but seems to have fit in Edmonton. And then adding Jack Campbell to that. T- if Jack Campbell is in net um, for the Edmonton Oilers, I mean, look, they don't beat Colorado, but they, they probably get by the Flames easier than they do. They probably get by the Kings easier than they do. This makes them such a scary team. And they, that makes them the team now, A, that the team to beat in the Pacific Division. No question about it. I know everyone thinks Calgary Homer, there's a flag in the background that I put up sometimes on, on Game Over Calgary. And I, I host Game Over Calgary. I've been a Calgary radio guy for 10 years now. Um, so everyone thinks I have to hate Edmonton. I like to make fun of Edmonton, but they're the favorites in the Pacific Division right now. And I don't think it's particularly close. You see how Calgary's falling apart. Vegas is just putting stuff out on the lawn that, with a free sign on it, hoping anyone will take it. Everyone else, like the Kings are still a bit away, I think. I love how the Oilers are situated. And they're in a spot now where if there is more resistance for Colorado in the playoffs next year, or if they sleep on uh, slip on the banana peel, the Oilers will be right there to take advantage and potentially move forward um, in the NHL and into the, the Stanley Cup final, maybe even like that. That's how good this team is, is that it is not unrealistic to think about this team playing for a Stanley Cup. Colorado's still the clear favorites in the West, but we've seen before, I mean, obviously not this year, they broke the trophy, but... We've seen before, uh, Colorado can have some stumbles along the way. And, like, the the best team doesn't always win. You just have to be there when that best team doesn't win. A couple of teams that I uh, made moves that I didn't really love. Um, Toronto, I hate this plan in goal. Like, everyone... When, they they signed Samsonov, which is fine, but it's like, oh well. I mean, you have Samsonov as a backup. That's a, he's a very good backup. Well, yeah, but until he has to be a starter, and then it's oh, he's not a very good starter. Like, people get so worked up about depth all the time, and then that depth gets thrown into position where you kind of need depth for, and it's oh shit, oh well. There's a reason they were called depth and not a starter. That's what's happening here, I think, with Samsonov and Matt Murray. Man, you are like taking the biggest risk, and I get Toronto. Their method is just kind of like, we 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 don't want to spend too big on goaltending. You can't spend too big on goaltending, which, by the way, has been thrown out the window, I think, a bunch of times. But this is clearly their, clearly their philosophy. They have a level that they are comfortable paying for the goaltender position, and maybe just a level they're comfortable paying anybody over the next couple of years before Austin Matthews' next deal is up, and they're just not doing it. Um, but I I don't see a path for this team to, again, like Edmonton, like you can see where that path goes and Edmonton gets to the Stanley Cup. With this goaltending group, I do not see a path for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And now like their their forward depth is taking hits, right? Like Mikheyev signed a ridiculous contract with the Canucks, but he was still an effective member of the top six for uh, for Toronto. And him not being there is kind of a problem now and they didn't really fix that and I don't know how they are going to address that. So Toronto's in a bit of an issue and where Mikheyev went, the Canucks... God, I just, I like Mikheyev a lot. Like, I, I like him a lot, a lot. I think his speed really plays. And if he can continue to finish at the level that he was finishing in his last season with Toronto, then maybe it's worth it. But you're banking on best case scenario for a dude who's coming off of time with Nylander and Tavares. Like, are are, are you just going to put him with, like, Besser and 
um, Besser and Pedersen, the first one you had, and just hope that he replicates it? Like, maybe, but then you could do that with anyone, right? Like, the, the Canucks did, right? Like, Anson Carter and, and Alex Burrows for a while, and eventually you have to pay Burrows, but... I don't know. It just, it didn't make any sense to me at all from a, a Canucks perspective. Last thing on hockey. Um, the Hockey Canada news, it continues to get more and more disturbing. We find out today that there was a fund that Hockey Canada would use for settlements in sexual assault cases. And that money was coming from registration fees from people signing up for hockey. I cannot get beyond this story. Like it, it is, it is so disgusting and so reprehensible and just so awful. Just every, every bit of this is awful. And the more like the hockey culture used to be this thing that was held up on high, this moral fucking high ground that people in the hockey industry would just stand on. And yeah, I mean, look at all these other leagues. They hand the, the things to owners. We hand it to the players because that's hockey culture. These guys will grind. They will sweat. They will bleed. They will cry so they can get to the ultimate team goal. That's hockey culture. And now we are seeing hockey culture is an ugly, ugly, ugly thing. And the fact that it goes all the way to Hockey Canada and what they have done is just disgusting. And you talk about losing faith in institutions. I have completely lost faith in this institution and I don't know what it's going to take to, to get it back. And, but it, it is, it is disgusting, absolutely disgusting what some people who have held this moral high ground for this sport are actually doing behind the scenes to project this fragile thing that they have made up in their own minds and just force down everyone's throat. There are a lot of great things about hockey. There are a lot of great people in hockey, but there's also been a lot of stuff that has been used to, um, has been used to kind of keep people at a distance or kind of keep people in line. And you, you think about like how people talk, uh, talked, sorry, about people like Mike Babcock and Bill Peters and Hockey Canada. These are institutions, right? Like, the, the, but then you get Mike Babcock, uh, kind of a piece of shit. Bill Peters. Oh, we're saying racist language now, are we? But it's Akima Lou who's the problem. And it's just been this whole cycle of just a bunch of dudes looking out for a bunch of other guys so that they could keep their spot and their kind of house of cards put together while keeping anyone else who dares to try to be happy in this sport to try to keep them down. It's disgusting. I, I absolutely hate it. And... I, I am just, I am so sorry once again to anyone who has been affected by this because this is, this is a sport that's supposed to be an awesome escape and it is a sport that is supposed to be able to bring people together and more and more we are seeing the only people it's bringing together are pieces of shit. So, no easy transition from that, but hey, baseball. Um, the home run derby was last night and... I thought it was wildly entertaining and it's been wildly entertaining since they switched up the formats. We've talked before about change for the sake of change is real bad. Um, and sometimes change can absolutely kill something, but sometimes change can absolutely propel it to the top of the mountain. And that's what major league baseball has with the home run derby. And 
bravo, first of all. Anyone who came up with this tournament concept, bravo, because it's amazing. It was great theater, and it was an excellent spotlight, and has been for a little bit for some of the exciting young players. The issue I had, and it's not, it, it might not even be on the broadcasters. It might be, this is how we want you to do it, but... Could the announcers last night have sounded like they were having any fun? And there's there's definitely room on a home run derby broadcast for, oh, this guy switched to a lighter bat. This guy is using a bit more of the field now. Oh, well, the pitches aren't coming in the way that he wants them to, so this is why X, Y, and Z. That there is absolutely time for actual home run derby analysis. That being said, there should be a whole lot more room for, holy shit, this 21-year-old just hit a ball 515 feet and killed a guy in the back row. Like, what they were doing last night needed, you needed someone to be letting everyone know how goddamn ridiculous it was that you had a 21-year-old and a 23-year-old just mashing dingers all over the place, and then 42-year-old Albert Pujols is coming in and he's making it to the semifinals and he's pushing guys like it was it was unbelievable theater last night and it just it felt like it was being called by the couple of straight guys who needed one more dude to just be in there laughing hysterically as home run after home run was going 460 feet in one of the most famous ballparks in the most famous city in the world so it, it just the home run derby needed a little bit more personality and it was kind of not to turn this into a big picture thing but it was very much a um you can kind of compare it to what's going on with Major League Baseball now, right? Like, you have all of these stars and all of these bright young personalities who are just dying to explode onto the national scene, explode into the national consciousness the same way guys like Griffey did, the same way, well, maybe not exactly the same way as guys like Bonds and McGuire did, but the, the same way that guys like Derek Jeter did, guys like Alex Rodriguez did. You know, like, the, the stars that we remember and the stars that we celebrate and the stars that we still put in video games, except for the last two names that I mentioned. Actually, except for most of the names I mentioned there, but that's different reasons. Um, but, like, the, the old-timers we put in the video games, the Ken Griffey Juniors of the world, the Andrew Joneses of of the world, the Joe Carters of the world, these exciting players who transcended the sport into our national consciousness. You have these guys. Look at all the personalities you had out there last night. Everyone crowding around Albert Pujols, celebrating him as he is miraculously making his way through the home run derby. Soto throwing his bat 55 feet in the air after winning the home run derby. Rodriguez just raising his eyebrows when he wins. Like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. laughing hysterically at everything that happened last night. Manoa with the biggest smile you could have on his face. So much personality just oozing out of this thing. But baseball just tries to just keep it all bottled up in this weird, good old-fashioned, well, it's not how Babe Ruth would have done it kind of thing. And it, it's just, it's so... Just just let these guys be these guys. And last night, all of these personalities, all these amazing feats of athleticism and th this incredible display of home run hitting power. And it's, ah, oh, it's going to be another one way back and it's gone, which is fine, but you need more beyond that. That like the way those two guys called the things last night, I think Carl Ravitch and uh, Eddie Perez, the, the way they called that last night is fine if you have a Chris Berman type who is also just going back, 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 Winnie the Pujols, like you, you just one of those guys who is just losing his mind. You need, you basically need to call the home run derby to the point where people listening have to wonder, are they drunk? That That's, that's the level of fun and excitement you should be having at a Major League Baseball All-Star game, especially when you have the display we had last night. So baseball, Again, let yourself have some fun. Let your hair down and just see what happens. Because what was happening last night was amazing, 
and I don't feel like you took full advantage of it. That is the show. Thank you guys so much for downloading and listening today. Um, hoping you back up more times this week. I am certainly not leaving the house this week. So um, yeah, hopefully you're going to have a few more of these shows coming out later. Once again, shout out to Clearwater Cleaning Solutions, your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary. They have a fantastic team ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. They are the studio sponsor for Couch Potato Diary. Talk to you guys later this week. I'm out.